The more familiar we are with the stories in the Bible, we forget that these are real people with real emotion, with real fears, real questions. They're real people. So one of my challenges and goals in this series is to help us be reminded that, that Mary was a real person, a real teenager carrying the Son of God. We're in the series, uh, part two of three, uh, Mary's Christmas, a little play on words, Mary's Christmas, and uh, to really unpack what that means. Uh, last week, Mary modeled for us that obedience by faith, obedience by faith is the highest form of obedience. Do we have this on the screen there? Good. Uh, obedience by faith is the highest form of obedience. You know, it was impossible. Well, she trusted God anyways. It was going to be a miracle, but she leaned to it anyways. She was going to pay a cost, but she chose to obey by faith. So that's, that was last week, obedience by faith. And today we're going to talk about trusting in God's promises. That's because it's something that Mary did, trusting in God's promises. Now, when I was 10 years old, Christmas was coming and this was probably one of the most saddest Christmas in my childhood experience. Uh, we kind of got word that that year Christmas presents were going to be few and far between. My dad, at this point in his life, was a cab driver in San Jose. Alpha Cab Company. So remember those, those red cabs. My dad would park it in our driveway. So as Christmas was coming, there, there was a sense in our home, even at 10 years old I picked it up, that this was going to be a hard Christmas. Now what helped though was my childhood NBA basketball team, the Golden State Warriors, they were doing actually pretty good uh, for, for decades. All my childhood they didn't do very good. And now they had, in, in December they had a 10 game winning streak and my favorite players, my favorite players, Clifford Ray, Gus Williams, all right, um, I already forgot his name. He was one of my favorite players. Jamal Wilkes, but then he changed his name, Jamal Wilkes. But my favorite player, not even a close, was Rick Berry. His last name was my first name. And uh, I, I was so enthralled with Rick Berry that I, I copied several things. He was famous for shooting like 90% by underhand uh, shooting his free throws. So guess what I did? I did an underhand free throw in my little league as a basketball player. I saw the way he spelled his last name. And to this day, I spell my first name just like that. So the Warriors were doing pretty well as Christmas was coming, kind of helped deflect and distract from what was coming. But then Christmas Eve came, that was our, all of our family came together at my Aunt Lois's house and I was like, Dad, you know, I can't, can't wait for Christmas Eve. And he said this. He says, uh, son, I, I won't be able to be there tonight. I'm like, Dad, it's Christmas. you got to come to Aunt Lois's house. It, got, it won't be the same without you. And he said, I had to work. Now, I learned years later that that was the lowest, darkest point in my dad's life. And the reason why he did not want to be at his sister's house 
gifts because he had no money to give us presents. But as a 10-year-old, I'm like, Dad, I don't care. I just want you there. You got to come. You got to come. And we, we showed up to Aunt Lois' house, and my dad wasn't there. So I was kind of bummed. But then word came that dad was outside, and, and I, I ran outside, and there's the red alpha cab. And, and I'm like, Dad, are you going to come in? He goes, no, I can't come in. I got to go, go back out. And I'm like, come on, Dad, come inside. It's not the same. And so a bunch of us kids were there, and, and I remember he gave a couple of my sisters something, and, and then he said, he, he gave me two things, a flyer and a promise. He says, honey, I don't have any money to buy you a gift. And I honestly said, Dad, it doesn't matter. I just want you here. He goes, well, I have something for you. Opened the trunk, pulled out a flyer to the summer, this, the, the, the summer to come, the Golden State Warriors summer camp. And then he gave me a promise. One way or another, we will get you there. And that just was like, oh, my goodness. To be at a summer camp with some of my heroes? He gave me a flyer, and he gave me a promise. Christmas came and went. The, the season came and went. And for the first time in my lifetime at 10 years old, now um, 11 years old, uh, the, that year the Golden State Warriors actually won the NBA championship. I never thought it would happen again. But as a, as a kid, about a month after the championship, here I am at Squaw Valley, the home of the 1960 Winter Olympics in California, I'm at the Golden State Warriors Summer Camp. Promise fulfilled. Promise fulfilled. Take your Bible and turn to uh, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Mary has already encountered the angel of God as the messenger of God that God had chosen her. God had found favor with her. He says, I will be with you and you're going you're gonna to carry the Messiah I mean, talking about the ultimate promise in the Old Testament. You're going to carry the Messiah. And she leaves, and it appears, at least in Scripture, that she doesn't tell Joseph anything. She, she immediately leaves to, to go off to see her, her cousin, cousin Elizabeth. We'll pick up in verse 39. It says, at that time, right, right after the angel came, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, that's her cousin. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she, Elizabeth, exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But, I, but why? Am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill, don't miss this, his promises to her. Then the next section in this, in this epistle, I mean, sorry, in this gospel is called Mary's Song. She, she sang a song, wrote it down, and she it says this, Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one 
has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their throne and he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. See, Mary's attitude, Mary's perspective, Mary's hope all hinged on the promises of God. The promises that, that she heard growing up. The promises that the angel said, this is from the Lord. She, she, everything changed because of those promises. It gave her hope, gave her perspective, gave her a, a sense of what is to come. In, in the very, very end of Luke, it says this. that She says, he, God, has helped his servant Israel. She's given a history lesson. Remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Just as he, just as God, promised our ancestors. She is standing on the promises of God. Standing on, I mean, the ultimate, important, the biggest promise given in the Old Testament, that God was going to send a Messiah, a Savior, into the, and through the line of Israel. So now this promise that she had heard about, learned about, and now she is experiencing herself. Everything is hinged and tied to this promise that is now going to become a reality. If you're taking notes, the central point is this, is that our faith muscles grow, right? Our faith muscles grow, expand, get stronger when we experience God's promises being confirmed. When God's promises are being realized, when God's promises are being fulfilled. What, what does that happen? It, our faith muscles grow, and we trust God some more. We increase our trust and our faith in God. Now, we're going to see it in a number of ways, these faith muscles expanding and growing when we see God's promises being confirmed. First of all, we see it uh, our muscles grow when we see God's promises confirmed in other people, in other people that trust in God as well. So here we have Mary, a teenager, and the promise given to her that God is, has favor on you and he'll be, he'll be with you and that you're going to bear a child. And in that message from the angel, the angel says, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, who's old, who has not been able to have children. By the way, she is now pregnant. She is now pregnant, which would, would eventually be, be the John, the John the baptizer. So here is Mary looking at, and I think that's why she went there, and she went there quickly. I don't know if because there's part of fear there, or she wanted to see the confirmation. I just experienced a, an angel telling me that God's going to do a miracle. Well, I need to go see Elizabeth, who is 88 years old and never been pregnant. 
and she comes into her home and she finds, finds her 88-year-old cousin, six-month pregnancy, right there. Can you imagine what that did to the faith of Mary? The impossible is happening with Elizabeth. See, when we see God fulfilling his promises, and we see it going through, and really other people who trust in God are, are experiencing the promise of God fulfilled in their life, what does it do to us? It increases our faith. I'm sure that did exactly that to Mary, that God is doing a miracle in my cousin, and the miracle that is going to be, become evident is also from God, from God as well, and I believe her faith muscles expanded. And then in, in verse 42, I believe that another confirmation was Elizabeth's own words to her as soon as she entered her house. Mary hasn't even had the chance to tell her what happened. There were no texting back then, just to want to let you know. There were no emails. Hey, an angel came to me and said this, and, and God says, I want you to carry the Messiah. There was none of that. I, I doubt there's even any carry pigeons, all right? She shows up at her cousin's house, and her cousin says this, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. If that didn't just encourage her faith, expand her faith muscles, you know, I don't know what would. She walks in, and this is what her, her, her cousin tells her. And then also, then, when John the baptizer is born, Again, another confirmation to Mary's heart and to Mary's faith that the same God that promised a miracle to my cousin and now that she is carrying around a little baby boy called John, the same promises that God has given to me will also come to fruition and be fulfilled. See, when our faith muscles uh, experience the promises of God confirmed, our faith muscles grow. And we, can, we get excited when we see it confirmed in other people's life. The second area that our faith muscles grow when we see God's promises confirmed is not only in other people, but in history itself. And this is an area that I love. This is an area that when my daughters were middle school and, and high school and driving in the car before they could drive and drive me crazy in Kitsap County, I would say, hey, this is happening in the news. This is a fulfilled prophecy in the nation of Israel. I mean, 1948, the nation of Israel had just ceased to exist, but Ezekiel had promised that in the end times, God will regather his nation and all his people from the four corners of the earth, and Israel would become a nation again. And when we see that happening in history, what it does for me is my faith muscles expand that look at the promises of God being fulfilled. Now what I want to just put on the screen here is some Bible verses beginning in Genesis chapter 12. The, there's more, but I, I wanted to show you how God in the Old Testament was, had all these promises about this Messiah that Mary is standing on. Mary is leaning into these promises. In Genesis 12, God promises Abraham that the whole world will be blessed that from your seed, from your lineage, from your, your people, the whole world will be blessed. In Numbers 24, 
it's, it gets a little more specific. It says at, that a star and a ruler would come through Jacob. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. So it's going from Abraham to now Jacob. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. The Messiah would come through the line of David. David is from the tribe of Judah. So now Jacob had all these boys. Out of the 12, God chose Judah. And from Judah came David. So the promises are getting a little more focused, a little more narrow. Before David died in 2 Samuel 7, God promised David that the Messiah that God had foretold through the line of Judah will come through you, David, and that Messiah will have a forever kingdom. A forever kingdom. It's a promise. Then very specifically in Isaiah chapter 7, that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. I mean, this is being very specific, promises very clear that the Messiah isn't just going to show up, but it will come through a virgin, a supernatural God-given birth. And then Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that the Messiah, is a promise, that the Messiah would be born in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. So this promise started wide, and God just kept narrowing the promise and getting very specific. And I love Isaiah 9-6, that the Messiah would be the greatest gift the earth has ever experienced. And it says, for unto us a son, a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, all capitals, because it's talking about a person, not an adjective, the, a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now there's other names of Jesus, but this, this is the greatest gift ever. And this is a Messiah will be started as a child. Not, 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 not as you know, an adult figure, God said as a child. God in a bod, beginning in the womb and becoming, coming out as a child born. The greatest gift the earth has ever experienced. So our faith muscles, they grow, they expand, they get stronger. When we see God's promises being fulfilled, being confirmed, being displayed in the lives of other people. You ever see someone who's going through a hard time, but they're going through those hard, dark times, holding on to the promises of God, and they have peace they have contentment, there's, there's a calmness in their spirit while their world is completely out of control and you look at them like, man, their faith is so strong and it encourages you. You ever experienced that? It's because they're standing on the promises of their Lord, of the word of God. So it comes through other people. It shows up confirmation in history, but also shows up in our personal lives. Our faith muscles grow when we personally experience God's promises in our lives, being fulfilled, being confirmed, and being answered. Just think about Mary. Mary's eyes and ears experienced God promising her that he had found favor in her, he was with her, and that she would bear the Messiah. 
She, her eyes saw that angel. Her ears heard that angel giving those promises in her life. Not someone else. She didn't read about it. She heard it, experienced her, her eyes saw it. Then when the baby was born, and shepherds show up and said, this is what angels, you know, talk to us, and this is what they said. And she saw a baby that she knew she did not conceive, that every woman prior or since has given birth, her eyes experienced that promise fulfilled. That promise confirmed right in her midst, right in her arms. Mary, Mary's eyes experienced Jesus performing miracles. It's no coincidence that the very first miracle happened in Mary's presence. They're at a wedding. They ran out of wine. And, and now it's going to embarrass the family. It's going to shame the family. She goes to Jesus. You need to do something. <laughs> you know, but my time's not ready. She looked around and said to the, to the people there, listen to him and do whatever he asks. Because she knew. This is not a normal kid. This is the son of God with all the power. And at that wedding, she saw, she experienced the first miracle. She also traveled around and she saw the miracles. She saw the, the, the deaf getting back their hearing, the blind getting back their sight. I don't know if she was at the resurrection of Lazarus. Possibly because it was very close to where she lived. But Mary experienced the miracles of God. And Jesus doing things that only God could do. But Mary's eyes also experienced her son on the cross. Dying a horrible death. Mary's eyes experienced three days later. Jesus had been risen from the grave. Her eyes saw that. And her eyes experienced Jesus ascending back into heaven from where he became, he came from. She experienced all of that. Was it hard? Absolutely. I mean, even when, when, when Jesus was, was eight years old, she brings him to the temple, what was their tradition, and God had several people come to them and some older people saying, I, I never thought that my eyes would see the Messiah personally, and here he is. And Mary also heard someone says, this baby is going to divide, and there will be pain. What held her strong? What, what holds us strong in our darkest chapters? When things happen, we don't know how to respond. We don't have answers to give or we're emotionally crushed but for some reason we keep taking steps of faith what holds us together what helps us keep moving forward in pain in darkness in sorrow it's the promises of God that we know it's just a matter of time will be fulfilled or we're walking through that valley and we know that in the shadow of death, we are not alone, for he is with me. That's what gets us through. It's not knowledge, 
but it's the knowledge of the promises of God. For your notes, just want to remind us that God is a promise-giving, promise-keeping God. Never forget that. Never forget that God is a promise-giving God, but God is a promise-keeping God. Now, there are hundreds and hundreds of, uh, hundreds of promises of God, but, but I want to put 10 on the TV here, one at a time, just to remind you, or if you're new to Bible study, to teach you that there are promises in the Bible, that the same God who came to a teenage girl is the same God who comes to us. He came to die for us, rose again, but he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is a part of our lives, and that we can stand on these promises because they come from the word of God. So I'm just going to give you 10 just to encourage you. First of all, if you search for God, you will find him. That's a promise from Scripture. If you search for God, maybe you don't even have a relationship with God. I challenge you to challenge God. God, I don't know if you're real. But if you are real, God, show up. Make it obvious. And then I would tell you this. Buckle up. If you search God, he says, you will find me. I, I love in Jeremiah, Pastor TJ taught about this, I think it was this summer, right? About we, we take things out of context. And we're like, oh yeah, I love this promise. But then the next verse says, and you'll get that promise if you seek me with all of your heart. Promise is we don't seek God with all of our heart. We seek God very casually, if never. There's a promise. Here's another promise. God will not stop loving you. Don't you love that promise? You know, but I've done horrible things. God goes, yeah, I know, I saw, I was there. But nothing will separate us from the love of God. Can I get an amen, hallelujah for that at all? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God, God goes, you know what, I know you're a sinner. I know you mess up and you keep falling down, but I'm there every time to pick you up. I'm going to dust your backside off and kick you. Come on, keep going. But his love for us will never end. God's love for us is not conditional. I love that. That helps me stay strong because he confirms this promise all the time. I love this promise. Salvation is available to all who believe Jesus. Salvation is available to all who believe Jesus, that he is the son of God, he came to die for our sins. He rose again, proving he was God. Another promise is God will comfort all of us in our trials, in all of our hard days, in all of our hard seasons and chapters of our life. If we have a relationship with God, he is our comforter. It's great to have a spouse. It's great to have a parent. It's great to have a friend. It's great to have people around us. But there is nothing more comforting than God himself comforting us in our broken state. That's a promise we can stand on. And I love this promise that God will finish the work that he has started in us. God will finish. When I was growing up, there was this button. They had buttons back then. Back, I don't know, the 70s, they made buttons. And it was all the first letter of this whole phrase. You know, be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. 
It was all the first letters of that. It didn't make sense unless you knew it. And God is patient with us. He's not finished with us yet. His finishing work in our lives will be once we say goodbye to this earth and hello to the next earth and heaven. But until then, he's not going to quit on you. He's not going to fail you. He will finish the work he started in you. I, I love this, this promise that God will give you victory over anxiety when you pray. Many times we spend so much time in anxiety and telling everybody else our issues or our fears. But God, but there is a formula in Philippians that we need to do this and this and this. It's all surrounded in prayer. And then when we do those, the peace of God will come to us. It will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. There's another promise that some of you need to hear and be reminded of this, that God will supply all of your needs, not your wants. Those are, that's gravy. But God is the one who will supply your needs. I, I meet with people all the time with, that are in need. They don't know where to turn financially. They don't know what's going to happen in this area, in this area of their life. And I bring them back to this, is that God promises to supply your needs. Now, I make a joke, even though I think it's a little true. God is never late in supply to our needs. He's never late, but he flirts with it, it seems. And then God shows up just in time. Now, here are some coming promises that fire me up. Is that Jesus, as the promise, will return to earth as a conquering king. Oh, he came as a baby. And he cried. And he had messy diapers. He was the Messiah. He did miracles. But he came to be our savior. That's why he came to, the, he came to go to the cross to cover our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. But the next time he comes, he says, I will be back. And he's coming on a white horse with the title, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is a conquering king the next time he comes. And I'm like, Jesus, bring it on. Bring it on. That's a promise that keeps me sane in our crazy culture. And I don't watch the news. That helps me too. Second, another promise is this. I love this. That Satan will be forever defeated and removed when Jesus takes care of him. I love that. Like Jesus just, he, I'm sure he keeps looking at Satan, your day's coming. Your day's coming. And when that day comes, Satan is completely forever and ever defeated and removed. And that's why heaven will be heaven. The last promise is this, is that believers will live in our forever home without sin. All the problems that we wrestle with now are all attributed to to sin. In heaven there will be no sin. There won't be an ounce of sin. There won't be an opportunity to sin. And that's why it's going to be heaven in the presence of God and all that he has waiting for us. You see, our faith muscles grow. Our faith muscles are strengthened. Our, when we experience and we see the promises of God confirmed, when we look at other people and we, we see what, how they're responding in their hour of absolute pain and heartache, 
And yes, they are hurting. Yes, there are tears. There are real tears. There is mourning. There is, you know, okay, God, but they keep moving forward because they're standing on the promises of God. And God is walking with them. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He has their arms, uh, his arms around them. And they have, man, their peace. And and, and, people that don't know Christ, they look at people like that and like, "I, I don't know how they're doing that. It's because they're not walking in their own strength. They're walking in the promises of God who's helping them, comforting them, leading them, healing them. We see that in history. Time and time again, God's promises are coming true. And we experience it in our own lives. Man, our faith muscles will continue to be strong. Um, I'm going to share something that uh, I, uh, I didn't ask permission from my daughter. What's that phrase? Better ask forgiveness than permission. She's at her own church. But Holly and my, my son-in-law, Luke, I mean, it, it's like ever since they've been married, they've been struggling financially. And they're working their tails off. And now they got two precious little kids that we just came home late last night seeing them in, in the Denver area. But when I hear that, I hear their experience and their faith journey of trusting in God with their finances in the midst of their struggling, in the midst of trying everything possible and doing full-time work and then Uber Eats and doing to provide for their family. And then they came, this was a few weeks ago, it was like, okay, we have more bills than money. And Holly said, but dad, we prayed and we said, we still, we still want to honor God with with our offering. And by faith, they submitted their offering to the Lord. That could have easily went to things that have to be paid. And then they said, but then God showed up with this anonymous gift that met our needs. She says, that gave us more encouragement and faith to keep doing and obeying God. Why? Because their faith muscles got a little stronger. Because God's promises were confirmed. I don't know where you're at. God does. I don't know what you're carrying. I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know what, you, what you're, you're fearful about or stressed about. But if you have a relationship with God, you are not walking alone. And you need to be reminded of the promises of God. And really, we can look at Mary as an example. That all that she experienced, all that her eyes saw, she stood on the promises of God. Would you pray with me? God, you know what all of us are going through, what what we're dealing with. But God, thank you for being there. Thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. God, I pray that you would continue to draw people into a saving faith, saving relationship through Christ so that they can experience the promises of God being confirmed and fulfilled. They can experience the peace that passes all understanding that they can experience the comfort that only God can give to his children. But Lord, us who have placed our faith in you, Lord, continue to strengthen our faith muscles. When we obey by faith and when we stand on your promises, that we know that you're a promise-giving and a promise-keeping God. 
But Lord, I pray that this would be an encouragement to those who need encouragement from you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.